Hey, y'all, thanks for tuning in to the We Are One podcast. This space, it's a collection of talks ranging anywhere from sermons from our ministry, creative thoughts, breakout sessions at things like We Are One Conference, as well as some inside scoops on leadership. We hope it helps you. If you want to keep up to date with everything We Are One, you can go to weareoneyouth.com or follow us on social at WAO Youth. We hope you're blessed. Hey, y'all. Thanks for joining us for another Extensions. I hope these are helping you. And I'm in Acts 9 again. This is the fourth time either in preaching or Extensions that I'm talking about uh, Acts 9, but there's just so much there. And it's just broken down kind of weird, and that's why I got to stick here because I preached on it originally. I think I message is called like, yeah, I think it was Blind Faith and Booty Cheeks. Um, you can watch that. It'll be in the link here, like linked in the description. And I just kind of set up Saul, his conversion, all that. And then I continued with an extension called Snake Eyes and then Where's Saldo? They'll play words with Where's Waldo. Because for real, like Acts 9 to Acts 13, he just like, bro, where did you go? Like what was happening that time? That's in the uh, the previous extensions. You can watch that and the link in, in the description as well. This one is in Acts 9, but has nothing to do with Saul. So like almost all of Acts 9 is all about Saul's conversion, what he's up to, getting ready for his calling to be launched in Acts 13, all that kind of stuff. And then the back half of Acts 9, verses 32 to 43, just goes from like Saul, who will become Paul, and just leaps over to Peter. And it starts this kind of whole other like random storyline. And so we kind of read about Peter, right? You see him in Acts 1, Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4. We see him a lot in the very beginning, okay? And then once Acts, uh, it'd be like 6, 7, a little bit of 8 and 9, it kind of starts developing this idea of Stephen being stoned, Saul of Tarsus, his conversion to the faith, all of that. And the back half of Acts 9, Acts 9, 10, 11, 12, it goes back to Peter. And then Acts 13 jumps back to Saul. So I don't know why the writer Luke did it that way, uh, but Acts is written chronologically. So there's a lot of years in between it all because you're covering like 33 years of the span of the book of Acts. But it kind of like leaps from person to person. It's kind of nice though, like if you're reading a book, like you don't want to be just stuck looking at one person the whole time. It is nice to kind of open up the the character arc of each person a little bit, get to know them, personality types, storylines, all this kind of stuff, just like you would a novel. So I'm going to start right here, verse 32. If you've watched any Siri, stop talking to me. She always get out of my life, Siri. She, uh, I, was, I was about to say things about Siri. I'll, I'll talk about Jesus right now. Uh, but if uh, if you watch any previous extensions, that's great. But I would say this. You don't have to watch any of them to take in this one because it's kind of like just a setup on its own. It would be good if you're taking in the, the book of Acts at all to read some previous chapters. Really, I'd say like really Peter is highlighted strong, like Acts 1 to Acts 5. And then he's there in the midst of set, uh, six, seven, you know, all that stuff. But really, like Acts one to five, and then we jump again here in Acts nine, and Peter really is strong again. So if you're going to read it, that's where we are. Let's start at verse thirty-two, Acts nine. Now, as Peter, and I think, like, I know this sounds simple, but the writer Luke like starts off this way, like very strong. Now, as Peter, like. We're talking about Peter. We've been talking about Saul. We've been talking about Stephen. We've been talking about all these other people. But now we're going to talk about Peter. Now, as Peter was traveling through all those regions, uh, because remember, I just want to make sure you're, you're, you're gaining this perspective since we're just like jumping in here. 
Um, when Stephen was stoned, great persecution swept over the place. People started just being spread all over the place. But the Bible says that the apostles stayed in just this like vicinity of Jerusalem, and that you can see in Acts 15, there's the Jerusalem Council. But in this case, now it is saying, although we said that they all stayed there, we want to highlight Peter because he was doing a little bit of traveling. So that's why it sets it up this way. Now, as Peter was traveling through all those regions, he came down to all of the saints, the believers in Christ. I want to clarify this. Sorry, I'm just I'm going to teach you as I got it. Not in my notes, just want you to know. Saints are not people who have gone to be with Jesus that we pray to. Saints are you, if you're a believer in Jesus, and I as a believer in Jesus. It's a word to describe a follower of Jesus, a Christian, a believer, uh, Christ follower. Like, you know, in, in the book of Acts, it's the way later in Antioch they call us Christians. It's all this different stuff. Like, saints are us if we follow Jesus. It's not Saint Peter and Saint Paul. And all, were they amazing followers of Jesus? Yes. Apostles? Yes. But we don't pray to these people. We don't pray to anyone but the Lord Jesus. That's it. So he's visiting the saints who lived in Lydda. Okay, that's the location here. The believers who lived in Lydda. So from Jerusalem, where he just was, we know for sure, is the last time that he, the book of Acts writes he's stationed. Now he's traveling to Lydda. Now that's a 28.5-mile journey. So the boy is putting some miles on his sandals. He's going for a nice little, nice, nice little stroll in the desert, 28.5-mile stroll to Lydda. Lydda, uh, I think many times we can like see cities and be like, okay, that's not what they're called today, and I see in the New Testament, and I don't see them in the Old Testament. Yeah, you got to realize they called cities by different names from the Old Testament to the New Testament, even like it's called different things today. So Lydda, it was referred to as Lod or Lod is how you'd say, L-O-D, right? Lod in the Old Testament. It's mentioned several times in the Bible in the Old Testament. It's the same exact place, but it was called Lod in the uh, Old Testament, and then it's referred to Lydda in the New Testament. Today, it'd be referred to as Central Israel, the plain of, of Sharon, okay? And in the plain of Sharon, today, we would hear this before, Tel Aviv, right? So it's in, it's in the southeast, in the plain southeast of Tel Aviv, um, Yafo is how you say it, Yafo, whatever. I, I can't pronounce it all. It's like Israeli names and stuff like that. But if you were to look on a map today and you were to look Tel Aviv, Yafo, and you were to look in that location, that's the same as Lydda. That's the same as Lod. It's all the same exact location. How cool is it though that like this is where Peter walked. This is where Jesus walked. This is where today people walk exactly where Jesus walked. It's just incredible. I really want to go to the Holy Land. Really want to go to Israel. I think that'd be an amazing opportunity just to see these places. And I think some people would say you, you're not. It's not as like crazy and mesmerizing as you think it is. Like I've heard people talk about the, the Sea of Galilee before and just be like. It's like kind of just a little sea. It's not very, I don't care. Jesus was there. I just want to go see where Jesus was. That's all I care. So Peter's there in uh, Lydda. I'm going to pick it up now in verse 33. Why is he there? We always get a purpose for where God sends us. There he found a man named Aeneas who had been bedridden eight years for he was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas... Jesus Christ heals you, get up and make your bed. Immediately, he got up. And I love this because Peter walks up with absolute faith. 
He's not like, oh, Lord, I hope I can do this. He's not like, hey, if, if you believe hard enough in this, he walks up and he goes, listen, I got faith for you. If you don't have faith, I have faith. It's good. Jesus Christ heals you. You are healed right now in the name of Jesus. And I think why this is so powerful to me is Aeneas doesn't look around. Where's Jesus? If he heals me, where's Jesus right now? Jesus was inside of Peter. The spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is inside of Peter. So Peter can speak to Aeneas and say, Jesus Christ heals you because Jesus lives inside of Peter. And the apostle Paul taught us this. I've said this before, but it's no longer I that live but Christ that lives inside of me. So the reason that we can speak to people's situations, say, in the name of Jesus, you're healed. Jesus Christ heals you. I don't see Jesus Christ anywhere. He's right here. He lives in me. So Peter speaks to him with absolute faith, says, get up, and the man gets up. Like, that's the kind of faith and the kind of healing power I've been believing and praying for in my life. Like, if I speak to somebody in the name of Jesus, with the, the authority of Jesus, but even greater, can I tell you, the love of Jesus Jesus heals because he loves. We want to reach out to people and take care of their needs, heal them, be in their lives because we love them, because we know Jesus loves them. Get up, and the person gets up. That's the kind of faith that I want to have. In this moment, it really is incredible, but my favorite part of this moment was not when he got up. My favorite part was actually before he got up. It's the in-between. What does Peter say here? Before he says, get up, and before the man gets up, what does he say? He says, get up and make your bed. That's, I, think that's what, I think that's a good title for this, make your bed. Mainly because I don't like doing it, mainly because I would probably believe that most people listening right now don't like doing it. And then there's a couple of you freaks out there that you like making your bed. The Lord bless you. He says, get up and make your bed. This is twofold. This is powerful. Are you getting this? Can you feel it already? I feel it. Like, Make your bed. It's twofold. One, it's prophetic. I don't get why the phrase is make your, you, you make your bed and lie in it. It is, but it makes no sense. But you don't make your bed and then lay down in it. People that make their bed are no longer laying in their bed. He says, get up and make your bed. He's saying, this is prophetic. You're about to get out of this bed. You're going to make this bed, and you ain't going to be laying in this bed paralyzed anymore. This is a prophetic word for somebody right now. Like, there is a, a, a message of faith and of hope and of prophetic nature that goes forth. Make your bed. You're about to get up out of this situation. You're about to go on to something new. God has something fresh for you. He has another level for you. Get out of your bed. And I'd even say this for some of you. You're living in depression. You're living right now in some laziness. You're living in some things where you're strapped down to what has been for eight years paralyzed in your emotions paralyzed and whether or not God has something bigger for you, make your bed. This is prophetic. Get up and make your bed. But I also love this because it wasn't just prophetic in nature. It was very practical in nature as well. Think about this, the idea of making your bed. Peter was giving him a task. He was giving him work to do. You know, I, I just need you to understand that when you follow Jesus, it isn't about having an easier life. It's about having a more purposeful life. It's about realizing that when I follow Jesus, there is work to be done. There's things to do. The Apostle Paul even said this. He said, you don't work, you don't eat. Following Jesus brings us back to 
the garden relationship that Adam had in the garden, where literally he would work the ground. He would be naming the animals. He would be taking care of the things of God, and he loved it. Work was a pleasure. See, when sin entered the world, he said, the, the, the curse now is you will work the ground by the sweat of your brow, meaning it's going to be hard work. But see, following Jesus, although it's hard work, man, it's an honorable work. It's a purposeful work. It's a joyful work because you're seeing people come to know Jesus. You're seeing that what your hands find to do, you do with all your might. And you're seeing that it's not, it's not just by my might or my power that I do these things, but it's by the Spirit of God that's operating in what I do. Make your bed, somebody. It's a task. It's a work. It's the minute Jesus calls you, let's go to work. The minute Peter calls Aeneas, get out of bed, get to work. I feel like that could end right now. I feel like that's just a great word for somebody. Take the work. But there's just so many more verses. We've only read three so far, and we've got to cover the rest of them. But I feel like this is an important idea for somebody to get because making your bed is a discipline. And I'm just going to hit it just for a second longer, then I'll move on. It's a discipline. Why should you be entrusted with many great, bigger things if you can't have the discipline of just making your bed? Whatever that is. For me, it was flossing. I tracked myself flossing, did it for 100 days. And then I realized, I think I just am going to floss now. I don't track it anymore. I just floss every day. It's a discipline. Disciplines turn into habits, right? If you do not have the discipline of small things, making your bed, taking care of your room, putting your stuff away, whatever, like, let's say that people are like, man, I just, I think God, if he could just give me a lot of money, I could do so much for the kingdom. If you don't tithe on your McDonald's salary, why would God give you a millionaire salary? If you don't take care of the little things he's blessed you with, like if you don't change the oil on your hunk of junk beater car that you got, man, I had one. No, I had three. Why would God give you a, a newer, nicer car? Like you need to learn to make your bed before God can allow you to be used in greater fashions for his kingdom. Okay, I'll stop, stop beating this horse. It's dead. Horse, get up in the name of Jesus right now. Make your bed, somebody. Verse 35, and all who lived, like everybody that lived in Lydda and, and Sharon, remember I referenced in like central Israel, the plain of Sharon, that's what she's referring to here. They saw him. They saw Aeneas. They saw this man that was paralyzed. Brother ain't paralyzed anymore. He got up out of bed, you know what he did? And then he made his bed. I think they're more mesmerized at the fact that Aeneas made his bed than he could walk, just joking. And they turned to the Lord. See, this is, this is what happens. Signs and wonders are literally just that. They're a sign. When you're driving on the road and you see a sign, right, like dead end, road ends, stop, yield, whatever it is, right? Right here, this and this lane only turns right, whatever it is. A sign is literally just that. A sign and a wonder of God is a sign that's shown off to people. And I believe that the gifts are for the body of Christ, the church, but signs are for the unbeliever. Gifts are for us as believers, but if you're, if you're maybe listening to this and you're not a believer in Jesus, signs, you've seen miracles of God. They're a sign to the unbeliever for you to turn to Jesus. What does it say? And they turned to the Lord. Think of like a U-turn sign, right? And you're, you're going the wrong direction. You're trying to figure out like, wow, 
I got to get on this road. How do I get? You got to make a U-turn. You're going in the wrong direction. Following uh, your ways finally requires a 180 complete, a complete turnaround, a U-turn to follow Jesus' ways. You usually don't start following Jesus' ways by still going your way. You follow Jesus and his way of doing things by changing your way. A 180 U-turn, complete turnaround, okay? Uh, people are in the habit when a, when a new year starts of making resolutions. God's not looking for resolutions. He lo he's looking for revolutions. He's looking for complete turnarounds, U-turns, okay? So when all of these people see Aeneas, they're like, sheesh, we're going to turn. We got we to make a turn. What does it say? And they turned to Jesus. So they begin to see him. And I think it's more than just that, though, that they begin to see this man. And because they could see Aeneas changed, they could then see Jesus and they wanted to be changed. But it's even bigger. Can I tell you? Make your bed. It's a setup for something bigger because this was a setup now for what was next. What you do today is a setup for tomorrow. Making your bed this morning is a setup for the rest of a dangerous day. People are turning around in, a, in, a, in an amazing fashion here at Lydda because of Aeneas and this paralyzed man. But I'm telling you, it's about to get bigger. This is just a setup. Your life, what you do, it matters because there's so many people around you watching it. And it's a setup for something bigger. Verse, 30, uh, verse 36, Peter, he's moving on from Lydda. Where's he going to go? It sets it up here. In Joppa. Joppa the hut. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. I like that name. That's the Hebrew. But the Greek just freaks me out a little bit. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. I'm just, what, what are these people doing? Why? I love you, whoever you are, if this is your name. But why did your parents name you Dorcas? Like Tabitha? I, yeah, I get it. But in Greek, her name is Dorcas? And she's always doing good and helping the poor. So the name Tabitha, Tabitha Dorcas, it means it would translate gazelle. That's pretty. And, and it also, from that, with gazelle, it translates to gracious. So I love the translation. I'm going to call her Tabby. I'm going to call her Tabitha the rest of the time. I can't call her Dorcas and take that seriously. I'm going to keep reading. About that time, she's doing good and all that. She becomes sick, and she dies. And her body is washed and placed in an upstairs room. See, Lydda, it says, was near Joppa. To give you perspective, when Peter travels from Lydda to Joppa, it's near, but it's it's 10 to 12 miles. I mean, I mean, still, still on those sandal feet, that's still that's still a good height. So Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him. So two men come to him first. Please come at once. Okay, and I'm gonna read in a second. Peter comes. Okay. But I want you to really look at verse 38 there. It says the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda. Now, I know like 10 to 12 miles for us isn't that far. And even for there, they would travel on the sandal feet, donkey feet, whatever it was, they'd make the travel. But still, it's 10 to 12 miles. And Aeneas just gets healed. How do these people already know that Peter's even in Lydda? Like, he hasn't even come to Joppa yet. He's still in Lydda. 
they send two men to him in Lydda to be like, hey, can you come at once? I heard what you just did with Aeneas. I need you to come to Joppa. Like, they got a plan. They're like, okay, what could Peter do for, I can't even, Tabitha. I was going to call her Dorcas. I couldn't take it seriously and say it for Tabitha. How does word spread? The disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda. How does it spread so quickly? I can tell you. When signs and wonders are being performed, the word spreads on fast feet. People aren't on a melancholy Monday just walking around and telling people about it. They are running places and telling people about it. Peter hadn't even been to Joppa yet, but they knew that he was in Lydda and sending people to go get him. Why? Because they are running to tell people about what has just happened in the name of Jesus, the power through the name of Jesus, the power through the blood of Jesus. I just saw this recently with somebody that gave their life to Jesus, baptized. Next thing you know, they're at work. They're telling everybody about what just happened. If Jesus has changed your life, why are you casually walking around telling people about it? Why are you tiptoeing around hoping people might possibly ask you or wonder about it? If Jesus has changed your life, you need to get into hyperdrive and get running like a, like a gazelle, like Tabitha, and you need to be telling some people about it. So that's what happened. Like word, word is spreading that a paralyzed person just got up out of bed and made their bed. I'm just going to keep coming back to that. And I love seeing the faith of the church increase. I love that. Like, If Peter could heal a paralyzed body, why couldn't he raise a dead one? See, it seems like a leap, isn't it? It seems like a big leap. But why can't we, why can't we start believing, hey, if Jesus can touch this need, why can't he heal cancer? If Jesus can touch legs that couldn't move, why can't he touch a body that can't move? See, this is the leap and in the increase of the faith of the church. Look at verse 39. Peter went with them. He's like, okay. So Peter went with them, and he arrived. And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. There's always something about the upstairs, that upper room where stuff happens. And all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him, here's the robes and the other clothing that Dorcas, there's her name, had made while she was still with them. Like, they're breaking over it. Like, they knew her well. Like, these widows were so thankful for her. She would make clothes for people. She was hospitable. She was kind to people. We know gracious. That's what her name meant. Like, she was so good. But it's, it's almost like they're trying to convince Peter how good she was. It's almost like they're trying to convince Peter, do you realize what she did for people? Like, we need your help. And, and this is the age-old question right here where people ask, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Right here, they're in the midst of this age-old question. Do you realize she was such a good person? She took care of people. She would give the clothes off her back, or she would sell them, make them some clothes. How could this happen to such a good person? Now, I, I want to clarify what we just read here. It's very clear. It says she was doing good. There's a difference between doing good and being good. Scripture is very clear. There is no one good but God. So when people ask this question, how could bad things happen to good people? There's nobody good. Nobody but God. I'm not good. Can I tell you? I don't even know you, but I can promise you. 
you're not good. Any good that you do, it's only because of Jesus in you doing it. It is the good of Jesus inside of you. It's not you. I can tell you that for sure. It is only the righteousness of Jesus that that's the reason we become the righteousness of God. It's only because Jesus is holy that we can become holy. It's not us. We didn't do anything. So people ask this question. It's almost like they try to convince, do you realize how good they were? How could God let it happen? There's nobody good but God. And God in his sovereignty sees a bigger picture. And then the other question that people could ask is, why does this person get healed and this person doesn't? I'm going to tell you, I don't know. I really don't. Like, we're praying for people in our church right now that they need to be healed of some major issues in their body. And I don't, I don't know why some people die, some people live. But what I do realize is that God has a plan that the name of Jesus would be spread through a person's life. And Paul wrote this. I believe it's in Romans chapter 14. I'll paraphrase. I might get it close. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. What does this mean? That if you are healed, then let the name of Jesus be spread because of it. And if you die, let the name of Jesus be spread because of it. So whether we live or die, it's okay. We belong to the Lord. It's all about Jesus being made known. So Peter walks in this moment in verse 40, and Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed, turning toward the dead woman. He said, Tabitha, I'm glad he used the Hebrew name. Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. You know, I love watching ones like Peter, Paul, John, whoever you see used for healing power, Philip. They're just mimicking what Jesus had already done, how Jesus had already done it. Now, Jesus said, I got to leave because I'm sending you my Holy Spirit and you will do greater things than I. But they are emulating how they had seen Jesus done it, but fresh in the situation of how they need to do it. So what do I mean? This exact moment of how we see Peter doing this, he's uh, paralleling what Jesus had already done. Do you remember uh, Mark chapter 5? You can look it up, where Jesus goes to the house of Jairus and Jairus' daughter had just died. He, he shows up, and the, the people are hysterical. They're just, they're just bawling, their eyes out, they're weeping, they're wailing, they're struggling, and he walks into the room, and what does he do? He removes them all. <laughs> He's like, sorry, you guys got to go. This ain't going to work. Now, like, I, I'm speculating here. I think that he did it because he just needed some quiet, and he needed to be able to focus with the Father. There's even a reason that Jesus says like, hey, when you pray to your father who's unseen, go to a place where you're also unseen. Like you don't need to do it publicly where everybody can hear you. Why? I think there's something about having focus with the father. There's something about not having a bunch of craziness all around you, but quieting the space, quieting your soul, getting focused and drawing on the power of the Holy Spirit. So then you can speak to a body. Peter said it because Jesus said it. Quote, they said the same thing. Jesus in Mark 9 speaks to Jairus' daughter. He says, get up, and she gets up. Peter speaks to, to Tabitha, get up, and she gets up. Jesus removes all the people. Peter follows the same protocol. He removes all the people. It says that he gets on his knees. He prays, and just like Jesus, speaks to the body, get up, 
and the body gets up. I've been saying this because Paul, when he's on the uh, when he's on the island of Malta, and Publius's father-in-law, who is sick, he has dysentery, all this stuff. He goes to heal him, but I want you to notice what he does. He prayed before he laid, meaning he prays. You see Peter, look at he kneels. And what is it? He prays. A lot of time we walk up, we lay our hands. And in the name of Jesus, we want to just pray right away. No, he kneels, he prays, he focuses with the Father. He leans into the power of the Holy Spirit. He gets himself ready. Paul on Malta prayed, and then he laid his hands for healing. In this case, Peter prayed, and then he proclaimed with his voice, get up, Tabitha. I think this principle we really need to draw on. We pray and lean into the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we speak. Then we lay our hands. Then we take the next step of faith. And I'll wrap it here with the last three verses. Verse 41. He took her by the hand and he helped her to her feet. I mean, she'd been dead. She's like figuring out these feet again. Then he called for the belief. Then he opens the door. Okay, you crazy people that you're crying. You can't. Now you can come in here. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, who were like, she made the clothes for the, she made these clothes I'm wearing. Like, then he calls the widows in. And I just love how this is said. And he presented her to them alive. I want you to imagine your mama, right? A family friend, a classmate, whoever it is. Like, last thing you remember, you're weeping over their dead body. Dude walks in, shuts the door on you. Y'all got to get out. Yeah, I can't focus. Get out. Shuts the door. Next time the door gets opened, presented alive. Like, try to imagine this. Like, you just lost somebody. You're hurting over this. Peter walks into your room, and now that friend, that coworker, that classmate, that love one, that friend, like, uh, here from We're at One or fan from We're at One, whatever, is like, they alive now. And it says in verse 42, this became known all over Joppa and many people believed in the Lord. I need you to understand this. If you are healed in this life, that's, that's okay, but this body is still temporary. We will die. Whether we die of disease or we die in a car accident or we die of old age, we will die. This body's temporary. It's in the next life that we get to be with Jesus in heaven and a refreshed, renewed, the Bible says we'll be like him in that body forever. This body will not last. So whether you're healed on earth or you're healed in heaven, you will be healed. But this body, even if it is healed, it won't last forever. What will last? Many people believed in the Lord. What will last is an eternity with Jesus. But the reason I believe that God allows miracles to happen, not only because he loves the people that he wants to touch, but it's because he wants his name to be spread so that people will come to know him as the Lord and Savior of their life. Just like it happened with Aeneas and Lydda, the word spread like wildfire about Tabitha and Joppa. That, that is why God heals people. Let me just cap it off. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. I'm just going to give you this tidbit. I'll get into it probably in preaching other extensions. Simon the Tanner, right here referenced in the last verse of Acts 9, is a setup for Acts 10. Acts 10 and 11 and 12 get really good, by the way. You should read ahead. I'll get to them eventually. 
Jesus heals us because he loves us. But I want to tell you, bigger than that, Jesus heals through Peter or John or I pray me, I pray you, I pray that God would use us for that. But he doesn't do it to just heal people's bodies. He does it to heal hearts and minds and souls that people might live for him for the rest of their days and be with him in heaven. That's why God wants to heal. I believe that God wants to even give some of you, listen, that gift of healing, the power to see people healed, but understand why. We lay our hands on people. We pray before we lay. We pray before we proclaim healing over people. We do that because we know Jesus loves people and we love people. But the greater message is that a miracle will speak a message of faith to many people that they might come to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of their life. So God, I pray maybe for somebody listening right now that they don't have a relationship with you and they need to give their life to you. I pray that they would call on the name of Jesus, just like after Aeneas, a U-turn would happen in their life. Just like after Tabitha, many would believe upon Jesus. I pray that they'd believe upon you. Maybe for somebody listening right now that they're sick in body, I speak the healing power of Jesus. Jesus did this with the centurion man who his servant was sick. The centurion said, just send your word and he'll be healed. I send your word right now to somebody. Be healed in the name of Jesus. But more than that, I ask that a wildfire called the name of Jesus would be spread, that the message of how that Jesus is still in the business of doing signs and wonders, that his power is still being made known on planet Earth. I pray that that would spread so the name of Jesus would be lifted high and so that hearts and lives would be changed, marriages restored, prodigals come home, families become intact, uh, a culture would be shifted, government touched, school systems touched, churches be, be just restored and be brought into strength of the power of the Holy Spirit so that we would be able to be with you as many as possible one day in heaven. Thank you for your word, Jesus. Thank you for the book of Acts. Pray that you would touch people listening in a special way today. In Jesus' name, amen. I love y'all.